Welcome in to another edition of Tabbing the Keg Podcast, episode Ode. 419. I should give a Week good episode. I'm getting, I know, it was, here, we'll do, I'll give you a little, little bit more, ta- more of a taste. Episode Ode. 419. Uh, thanks to Zoom now, who's letting you know in your ear that it's recording. Shout out to them. None of you guys hear that, but we hear it um, on our own headphones. That's super annoying because it, it, I forgot about it, and then it caught me off guard again. And that's how the show will start. <laughs> um, awesome show today. Very excited. We're going to talk about uh, Nets box, obviously. Uh, Stage is set. Hey, I called it yesterday on the Daily Tap, the NBA Finals. I meant that. Um, we are going to bring back the tail of the tape as we did for Bucks Heat. Um, so we'll we'll talk about the series itself, just what everybody's feeling like going into it, and then we'll kind of go individual matchups. That'll be a, a good chunk of our show today. And then from there, we'll talk about who's the biggest threat to the Brewers' success this year. Is it the Cubs? Is it the Cardinals? Is it the Brewers themselves? Um, and then maybe some Packers stuff at the end um, if we have time, or, or I'll just carry it over to the Daily Tap tomorrow as – most Packer stuff at this point is pretty evergreen. Nothing's nothing's really, really changing from a day-to-day perspective. Before we get started with all of that, we got to check in with our guy, my co-host, Mitch. What's happening, dude? Another, uh, another series ahead that is going to put me in a straitjacket, I'm sure. And uh, <clears throat> just sort of, yeah, it's kind of the calm before the storm. We get a couple of days here to... I guess have stress-free basketball, um, which is, you know, the Topanga to my Corey. And um, I just get to sit back and watch for now. But, you know, I guess, you know, now that it's official, the Bucks are taking on the Nets. It's just, I'd say on Wednesday, it was just, you're kind of sitting back and listening to some, to some spicy takes in the early going and just sort of thinking of my thoughts coming off of that. And um, yeah, but overall, doing pretty good and, yeah uh, can't complain the weather the weather's rocking um the sports world is yeah it's good it was such a crazy day in sports i feel like there were a hundred things that happened and none of them really affected any of our teams so it was kind of nice to sort of just sit back and we can laugh at anthony davis getting called street clothes and just wait until saturday and you shared with us a picture of yourself after game one of the Heat Bucks, and you look disheveled. I feel like that's how all of us are going to feel after almost every one of this, these games. Um, this, this is going to be intense, and I don't know if we're all mentally prepared for it. I, I include myself in that because we had such sort of an easy walk with the Heat for three days, three games. You know, the first one was – we talked about it, you know, on a podcast, you know, just personally, like how it took like multiple years off our life. Um, and then the next three day, three games we coasted. It's yeah. Could, could game one be a blowout either way? I could see it honestly, uh, either side. I, I could see a blowout just because both teams are not entirely dialed into this opponent and that they both played weaker opponents in round one. 
and maybe that catches them off guard. I think it'd be more likely for the Bucks to blow up Brooklyn than the than vice versa. But after that, I think it's the screws are tightened and it's nut crunch almost every every game down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, te- both teams are going to have you know some time off. The Bucks are going to be have two extra days, no, three ex- three extra days off. Yep. Right. Yeah, three extra days off, or, or well, two full days off. Excuse me. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, over the Nets, and I was a little concerned about that. Like, do I do I want uh, Boston somehow to take this thing to seven, and Brooklyn only gets like two days off between games, or do I want Brooklyn to finish them off immediately so both teams basically have the same amount of rest, and we got somewhere in the middle, I guess. Um, Brooklyn had to use another game, an extra game to get to get Boston eliminated, and um, so the rest stuff kind of you know the, the time off is kind of a wash. Um, I think once you get past like three days or whatever off, it's kind of it's all the same. So right, um, yeah, I, I agree with that. That it, it, I think that the Bucks first round opponent probably lock them in a lot more than I would say the Nets did. I mean, that Celtics team was without Jalen Brown. I mean, that team, yeah, it just, a, it was a JV. They just don't have the depth. No, it was a, it was a JV team. And the, and you know, the, I thought the comments by Giannis the other day about how he doesn't really talk about basketball at home. And I blogged about it and I said, it's more, it, this is more inspirational than 98% of the stuff you see on LinkedIn about work-life balance like this is the epitome of work-life balance because this guy goes home and just doesn't doesn't talk about basketball and I don't know if I believe like him that he like turns off his phone and all that bullshit because like whatever he's a millennial he's probably not doing that but I do believe that he's like yeah I don't want to I don't really want to watch these games I don't really want to I don't really want to talk about it and I think that says everything about like where the bucks are. I saw someone else share a tweet uh, or share like an interaction with a friend where PJ uh, Tucker was around in the city. And if you guys are in Milwaukee, you've probably seen PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker is out. He's been awesome. And I love him and he's embraced Milwaukee. He's probably one of my favorite players right now. And he said, yeah, we clap Miami and we're going to clap Brooklyn too. So, I mean, they're feeling good, man. Like, they're, they're feeling good, and, and I don't blame them. And it's going to be a really fun series. And I yeah. think that – and I'm not going to bring this up until if it gets bad where it's like the Bucks are down 2-1 or the Bucks are down 2-2. I'm just going to delicately, like, remind all the fans, like, Brooklyn's probably going to win the title here. And – if you lose to the eventual champs, then it's just shitty luck you had to play them in round two. Because maybe this would have happened in round three. And you obviously can't play them in the finals, so there's nothing you can do. But it looks, and I said this yesterday, it looks like the three best teams in basketball right now reside in the Eastern Conference. And I don't think it's even close. Now that is when Philly has Embiid fully healthy. Um, But I just don't think it's close. Like, I think what Utah is doing. Yeah, no, I don't know. I I look at Phoenix and I'm like, Aiton is their only big guy. 
how the hell do they stop the Bucks or the Sixers or even Denver next round uh, with Jokic? Utah is is good, but they I, I still like go bear against that Clippers team. Like all the Clippers have to do is go small and then go bears off the court. Like what's go bear going to do if the Clippers go small next round? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, I just, well, I just think the West, uh, maybe I, it, I was, should be a little bit as, not as spicy and just say, I feel like the West is more flawed than the East is. I think that's probably the professional way to say it. And well, I got I got a lot to respond to here. No, um, no, no. I know. I'm sorry. I, I threw a lot at. You. I've had a, I've had a couple a couple thoughts throughout that throughout that time. Um, going back to what you said about Giannis, and I've I guess I've had some thoughts on, you know, I, I guess luckily nobody has been like, oh, he should be you know a basketball junkie. What is like? I haven't really heard anything like that. You know, where yeah, he should be like, he should be obsessed with it, right? Because like we all know we all know he is right, mm-hmm. and like. We don't, we don't need to, you know, he doesn't need to prove it. But I think like, I, I think I had a couple of thoughts like throughout that heat series where it just like, you look at Giannis and it's like, he almost looks like he hasn't talked to anybody since that series started. You know what I mean? Like hasn't said a word to anyone. Just like, he's so dialed in, like, so focused on like, he knows like this is, this is his third crack at it. I mean, and we can't mess around with the heat. And they didn't. And it just, you know what I mean? Like, it just looked like he was kind of like an assassin or whatever. Like he just, he just, he just, he just knew he, what his, what his goal was. And he went zero dark 30 basically. And yeah. I'm not talking to anybody. So to me, it's like, that's basically what he's doing is like, I am so focused on what I have to do that I don't care what, what anybody else is doing. Like, you know, I'm just going to play who's in front of me. And, you know, we know we have Brooklyn and, that's all there is to it. I don't need to sit there and watch the stupid Knicks or, you know, the stupid right. Lakers or one of those, one of those trash right. teams. Like I, I just want to play, you know, Fox basketball and, and beat Brooklyn. So no, it makes sense. That was one no. thing as far as like the, the Eastern conference. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a spicy one. I mean, Philly, especially without Embiid, I'm, I was saying, I was saying with Embiid. Without Embiid, I, I could make a case Atlanta is better than Philadelphia. And I think with like Utah and Phoenix, it's kind of like I gotta see it first. You know, oh yeah, almost. It's like it's it's kind of it's kind of like what the what the Bucks have, right? Where it's like totally, definitely what the Bucks had two years ago, where it's like, okay, they're really really good, but I gotta see it first, and I gotta, you know. Because I mean, they've Utah has been to the finals a couple times, and but it's been a long, long time. They've been a very good franchise, but they just have never been able to get really even all that close to the mountaintop, except for 1998. I mean, where they were a push off away from winning a championship. Ah, I mean, I would, I would, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, they still would have had to to go to Game Seven with Jordan. Yeah, but that Utah team was good. And yes, they've gotten close. And Phoenix also had a Jordan moment with their John Paxton shot away from, you know, go, taking Jordan to game seven as well in 93 with Barkley. And so they've had those moments, but you're right. It's, it's, there's a lot of unproven. There's a lot of box ish shit with both. 
uh, the Jazz and the Suns. And with the Clippers, I think it's just, is this team really going to show up for four rounds? I mean, I know they're playing well, but are they playing well just because Luka's hurt, right? And Dallas has nobody else. It's kind of, I feel like it's more the latter there. Yeah. I mean, Clippers are, they're an, an interesting team, right? Those yeah. guys are a very, very interesting team. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have the guys. They have Kawhi Leonard. They, they have, well, I mean, do they, though? No, because you you need role players to step up. We talk about it all the time. When you and I have talked, went don't... through the, when we went through playoffs, we've had issues with it, right? As a Bucks fan, except for this year. Like, you're really thinking Luke Kennard's going to have 20 for you on a random game four to win you a a game? Is that really going to happen? Yeah, they just – that's what I'm saying. It's like you have Kawhi. Paul George is kind of enigmatic. I mean, you don't don't know what you're going to get, it feels like, in the playoffs from him. He could have 40. He could have, you know, 14 and, you know, just be a ghost. And then, like, after that, it's like, okay, Zubats. I mean, what does he do? Morris, uh, Marcus hate, Morris hates hates big moments. Is one of the least clutch people. Like just doesn't want to touch the ball. Is allergic to, to Reggie Jackson. Is is horrible. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Patrick Beverly is. I, I feel Patrol. like Patrick Beverly is kind of. He's kind of jumped the shark. Oh yeah. Like he's just like, I don't know. He. I guess maybe he needs a, a moment. You know where he's, you know, actually comes through instead of just like talking a lot, you know, mm-hmm. pulling a Jimmy Butler, talking oh, yeah. a lot, not really not really being all that successful. And, I mean, after that, yeah, Kennard, and plus their coach is kind of a knob. Yeah, see, so, I don't know. I mean, we've heard, like, he's won a title with LeBron, yes. I mean, they, he does have the experience. But, yeah, I don't know. I, the last thing I'll ask you before we go to, the, like, the tail of the tape. So – I don't think there's a guy in the East. Maybe it's Kyrie. It might be Harden. That would have been that could have put on like a the the Lillard performance from yesterday or two days ago now, where he had 55. Mm-hmm. Would you have been yelling at Bud to foul foul Lillard up three or or foul whoever? Let's just put Kyrie in that spot or and he's going off like that. Would you foul or would you trust Drew Holiday to say, all right, even though Kyrie's cooking, like I trust Drew to make the big play late defensively and not foul up three? I'd probably play it out with so Drew Holiday I, and just so would I I thought just, about that. And just let him let him make a play. I mean he's he's the probably the best individual defender in yep. the NBA. Yep, I would. I agree 100%. I, I think that there are a lot of analytical people who would say, oh, yeah, you got to follow up three. And it's like, Bucks are one of the few teams that I would probably say no, because you look at what they have as individual defenders, and they're, they're among the best. Not just Holiday, Middleton, Giannis. If BJ's out there, PJ. I, I think they have those guys. So let's do this tale of the tape. Uh, I have a really load. I have a really loaded question for you. Oh sure, I, I yeah, like we, we can go talk about. Yeah, yeah. Why but, not? No, no, no. Go ahead. I mean, are the Nets like the most hated team in the NBA? Um, I think so. I think, I think pure basketball. Like, I, I think basketball heads. I'll put it this way: 
I think anyone who's above a millennial fucking hates the Nets. I think they want to see the Bucks win. I I think yeah. that there are a lot of people who are older who really don't like Kyrie. James Harden rubs people the wrong way. I think the two online Durant is is a thing mm-hmm. for some people. Um, I think Steve Nash can rub people the wrong way. Kind of douchebag at times. Um, I I I was gonna do this whole thing on on Friday's show, um, and so maybe I'll save some of it called like the Brooklyn hate list and just go through all the things I hate about the Brooklyn Nets. Um, so I still yeah, may do it. That's fine. But no, yeah. I, I, I agree. I don't, I just don't know if there's any, I think the only people who really like Brooklyn are the, the Gen Z TikTok generation who has no problem with it. I sound like a fucking old man. I know that. Well, I'll own that. No, but, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's just, it's just, it, it is like the, it's the, the people who like Brooklyn are the, are the basketball NBA Twitter people that don't actually watch the games? No, just yeah, talk exactly. about how good everyone is, right? And it's like Kyrie is has gone off the deep end. Oh, do you see his comments is, yesterday? I don't know, but oh, let me read you that quote. I, I have, I have plenty of plenty of keep going. I'll read you the Kyrie quote. Just like, and we've had a we've had a lot of discussion lately about the NBA and its fans and the relationship, and I feel like. No, like all three of their superstars have done nothing to endear themselves to fans, especially Kyrie lately. I mean, calling people racist and then, you know, the whole water bottle stuff, which isn't acceptable. I'm not condoning that, but it's just, I'm just, he's kind of at the, at the, at the forefront of that right now. You have Harden who forced his way out of Houston that people, a lot of people didn't like the way he went about that. Um, I don't, I guess I don't have as much of a problem with that just because I think he, he did spend a lot of time in Houston and it kind of ran its course and, you know, granted he did get to go where he wanted to go. So people don't like that. Um, and then Kevin Durant. Yeah. I mean, dude's a, an amazing, amazing player, but he, he just can't, can't stay off the internet and, and can't stop getting in online Twitter wars with people. And I mean, it's been a while, but it's just those guys, just, I feel it. And then Blake Griffin's kind of a douche. Oh, we'll then, talk about Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin is uh, uh, I, someone who I really want to kind of hone in on, on the tail of the tape for a variety of reasons. But, yeah, Blake's going to be a villain. He is going to be Steve Nash really. is. Steve Nash is a saint, though. I don't know where you, where you, where you think he's a douche. But I don't know. He just has that, like, anyway. he's a soccer bro look, right? Like that, that kind of that kind of guy you see hanging out at the library who – wants to correct you about uh, you calling it soccer instead of football. Like that's what, that's the, what Steve Nash is. He, he has like the German national zip up on with like, right. um, yeah, yeah. with like, with like black Adidas Sambas on. Yes. And yes. you're actually, I think closely uh, describing Doze's oldest brother who I love. So coach, if you hear this <laughs> listener, um, we were not talking about you. Just let that record show that we were not talking about you. So here's the Kyrie quote. This was after last night's game to Michael Grady. We are uniting the whole world with this championship run. I hope everybody is with us. We're uniting the whole world with this run. Stick with us, baby. Okay. All right, man. <laughs> cool. That was a good uh, snort from Mitch. A plus. I know. There. I, I loved it. No, I love that's it. good. We're leaving that in. Um, I mean, Look, Kyrie is a class A douchebag, and 
people forget uh, just what Mike Boonholzer has done to him and Harden. But we're not going to start with those two guys with this tail of the tape thing. We're going to start with Giannis Antetokounmpo and the power forward position. Giannis, Kevin Durant. Giannis has already put the clamps on Jimmy Butler. I think you're going to have Giannis on Kevin Durant. I don't know how often, so I guess I'll open that to you. How often do we see Giannis on Kevin Durant? 50% of the time, 75% of the time. Like, where would you gauge that in terms of how, many, how much Giannis picks up Durant? Um, wow. That's really hard to say, but just, to just put a number, number on it, I, 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 what do I hope they'll do? What do I think yeah, they'll do? Fine. I mean, I don't we, know. Okay. Like, so what do you hope, what do you hope they do? And what do you think they'll do? I mean, 110% of the time, but okay, so I mean, you don't, it's, but it's, do you think that I worry that that would tire out Giannis, right? I worry that he would exert himself well, offensively, or maybe you're like, that doesn't matter. Like we can find scoring other, other places. Yeah, I mean, their defense is pretty subpar. Um, yep. I don't know. Let's call it 75% of the time. I mean, yep. I just, God, I don't I don't know. I, I, you know, I was pretty shocked in that first series to see Giannis on Jimmy Butler. Yep. Um, that was very pleasantly surprised. I mean, that was like, okay. And I don't know if it's been asked of Giannis, but, or to Giannis, but, was that his call? Was that Coach Bud's call? I mean, because last year you saw in the bubble, you know, Giannis get explicitly asked, like, why aren't you guarding Jimmy Butler? And he said, I do what the coach tells me to do. Right. Um, and that was really the end of it. But, you know, you have to wonder, did, did Giannis take that responsibility? So, you know, does he want to take the responsibility of, of guarding Durant? I think he's the only guy with a reasonable chance of stopping Kevin Durant I mean he's pretty unstoppable just because he's a seven foot long and long freak of nature um that with guard skills that has the best pull up in the game I mean it's it's pretty much unstoppable but I think size wise Giannis has the best chance I don't know if Giannis is quick enough to stay with Durant um and the foul trouble would be an issue it would it would be exerting quite a bit of energy but I think that would go both ways because I think that Durant is probably the best guy to try to stop Giannis. Honestly. So to interrupt um, that, do you think that Durant's going to want to do that? I mean, Durant really has not played a ton of defense this year. Like that's one of the dirty secrets about Durant is he's not really been banging yeah. with the best of them. Does Durant really want to go into the paint with Giannis because Giannis is going to beat well, his ass up. And I don't think he wants it. Like I, I don't think Durant wants to smoke. Like I don't, I don't uh, think he wants to go into into war with Giannis. Yeah, I think he's been all right this postseason, but I mean, he's also facing, right. as we alluded to, a, 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 a lower level Boston Celtics team that you know probably shouldn't even have been in the playoffs, honestly. But right, um, the talent level drops off pretty quick in the East. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Probably not, I guess. But I feel like it could be one of those where we get to game three. I'm not going to say, you know, what the, the, the series might be at. Let's say it's 1-1. We get to game three. Bucks are just one game two in Brooklyn. Would the change, would the adjustment be for them to put Durant on Giannis? I think you might see something like that. Wouldn't shock me. So let me ask you another Giannis offensive. Question. I don't know. I don't know. Be, I don't know. Besides Durant, who who can possibly 
they don't have to be honest enough. They're going to try Blake Griffin. Um, and if you've watched Blake Griffin against Giannis Antetokounmpo, I can tell you right now, it does not work well, work out well. There are a few people that Giannis owns more than Blake Griffin, and the list is very short. Giannis mm. absolutely dom- – maybe Miles Turner is the only one. Like, Giannis dominates Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin just has no answer for Giannis. And I know he's going to want to take charges all throughout, and he's going to be very pesky, and he's going to do some dirty shit. And I'm telling you right now, he's going to be the villain of this series for Bucks fans. And I like Blake Griffin outside, off the court, but on the court, I can't fucking stand him. And I just think it's going to be, he's going to do some shit and it's not going to be, it's not going to be fun. We're going to, we're not going to like Blake by maybe Saturday evening into whenever game two is, has not been announced yet. Um, Other question on the power. Oh, I want to ask the Giannis offense question. Um, do you still want him taking outside shots? So there was a stat. He was one of 16 from three. Um, he yeah. was pretty brutal outside the arc. I am of the belief that maybe you do need to like tone back the pull up a little bit and look at something else. But I kind of want to keep shooting because who knows if it starts clicking. Okay. It becomes yeah. a factor. I, I don't want him to stop. I don't know if that's how you feel or if, if you're like, yeah, this needs to kind of, this does, he does need to kind of adjust this on the fly. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's, I'm, yeah, not, I'm not down for a Jason kid. Don't ever shoot a three type of, yeah. but I do agree. Probably tone it back. However, you know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn gave him that shot. I mean, yeah. gave him that shot in those two games in Milwaukee um, a month ago, just gave him that shot. And he was hitting them. Now, I don't know if that's their ace in the hole, you know, also defensively is to, instead of giving him that shot, get up on him and and make things difficult for him from, from the word go, or, you know, maybe they saw what he did in my against Miami and that could have been a blessing in disguise where Brooklyn's going to continue to give it to him and he starts to hit him. So he wrote in basically. Not that unintentional rope it up where it's like, oh yeah, I can't. Giannis can't shoot. We'll we'll do the same oh, shit. Yeah. It yeah, and exactly. justify and then, then next. Go ahead. I was saying, that, and then he hits like four or five in a game, mm-hmm. and and because they're just, they're just giving it to him, and I don't know. I feel like in the playoffs that probably won't happen as often, but if it's there, shoot it. I mean, right? You know. If you got a guy 10 feet off of you, shoot it. Absolutely. I, my only, the other to round out the power forward position, the only PJ Tucker take I have is I think PJ Tucker's role in this series is really interesting. Just given he's known Durant forever. Uh, they went to college together. They have a relationship. James Harden was his teammate for a bunch of years. Mike D'Antoni's on this staff. Tucker loves D'Antoni, but also really knows D'Antoni's system. And I'd argue a lot of what Nash is doing is similar to what D'Antoni was doing in Houston. So I think PJ's impact is more cerebral. I, I think he can still have an impact on, on the offense and defensive side of the ball. I think his size actually plays, you know, plays well because Brooklyn has none. So he's kind of able to get in and get rebounds. Like he had eight rebounds in game four. 
So I, I just think PJ can have an impact that goes just kind of beyond what he can do on the court. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's going to be pretty, pretty critical in this series, I think, because, you know, for a lot of the reasons you outlined, I think he will probably have to play a little bit more because yep. of the Dante DiVincenzo injury. Just, I think he can kind of fill that role probably better than just about anybody, just kind of that defense rebounder. Now Dante can shoot quite a bit better, I guess. Um, I guess I feel better. It's a much better looking shot, <laughs> but um, PJ Tucker's shot is pretty ugly, but it goes in enough that. It's as you, as you said at the bar, I only want him shooting corner threes. That's it. Other than that. Oh, he ball. can't even, he can't even, he can't even dribble. He can't even like, <laughs> I mean, it's bad. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I still love the guy. He's just a launch pail hard hat type guy. Hell yeah. Um, Absolutely. And he's, he, he's, he's a vocal, he's a vocal leader. He's a dog. He's going to be, oh, he's yeah. going to be a quote machine, quote machine after games. He already kind of has been lately. So yeah, he's, um, he's our guy, man. Um, Moving on to the, the point guard position. You have the classic Drew Holiday, probably versus Kyrie Irving. Um, oh, well, they have James Harden. Hold on. So you don't want – okay, so let's start there. So you would rather have Drew take take James Harden? Yes. Interesting. Expound. Go ahead. Yep. I Why? mean, he's the, James Harden is their second best player. Okay. So so, so you're, you're of the mindset – as I'm following, if you, know. you put if you if you put Drew Holiday, who again, as I've already called in the, on this podcast, the best individual defender in the NBA, mm-hmm. on James Harden, who is the, who is the head of the snake for the for the Brooklyn Nets, I think you you do a lot of damage to their to their to their plans. Um, I, I tend to agree, and 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 I, I would have loved to have Dante Divincenzo for Kyrie. Um, that would have been ideal, you know. I don't know if Dante would have been able to stop Kyrie, but his activity and his size, I think, was, was would have been nice. Um, but they have to find other other ways to slow down Kyrie, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I just think Holiday on Harden is the way to go. Now, again, is that something that you try uh, after the opening tip-off of game one? I don't know. I guess maybe you just see. But I think – I think, I think ultimately, you, I think you want Holiday and Harden. I think you're going to start with Middleton on Harden because Middleton has played Harden pretty well. And the Bucks have a good game plan against Harden. They've, they've done some real special shit. And let's not forget the Harden-Giannis beef. Like, that has not been talked about a ton. But those guys really don't like each other. Giannis doesn't like Blake Griffin either. Like, this is... This series has a chance to be really nasty in terms of there are some beefs and, and they've done wonders with Harden about funneling him and basically like making him think everybody's open and giving him some layup opportunities. I don't know if Bud's going to bring the same sort of defense or not. I do kind of like what you're getting at because basically what you're saying without saying it is take Harden out and basically have Kyrie beat you. And if Kyrie has a Dame-like performance and scores fucking 45, all right, we lost that game. So what? 
But Kyrie shooting the ball 25 times, let's just put a number on it, and Harden and Durant maybe only shooting it 14 or 15, that's a win. That is a win every time when you're having Kyrie kind of be the main the main shooter. So I, I do agree with you. I think that Harden kind of facilitates it all, and he's kind of running sort of a Magic Johnson. That's, he's not that good, but to put him at that level of like, He's sort of navigating this 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 team and is sort of the captain, and it's crazy to say that. And let's also not forget James Harden has had some really bad playoff blunders, and those demons will start start sneaking in, especially if Holiday puts him in the blender. And don't don't tell me that James Harden won't start thinking about all of that shit because it'll it'll happen, and that could be a real problem for James Harden. And I agree with you. I think Holiday, I think that's who Holiday should be on. I think Holiday will probably have a more impactful series than he did against the Heat offensively, just because Kyrie and uh, James can't guard a sneeze. So I think you're going to have some bigger Holiday games because of that. And I, I don't look at anyone on their perimeter defense who can, who can hang in terms of stopping, stopping Holiday. Because I, I, so I, I think he's going to have some moments in this one, and he could be the difference from the Bucks winning this series or losing this series. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of the attention has been put on how do we stop Brooklyn's big three, which rightfully so. I mean, yeah, it's just going to be a nightmare. But you know, as you talk there, it's like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> who on Brooklyn's roster is even like an elite defender? Like maybe maybe Bruce Brown. Yeah, Bruce Brown. And that's it. I mean, he's, yeah, he's going to play quite a bit. He, he's probably not going to start ever. But no, but yeah, Bruce Brown could have but... Bruce Brown could have some moments in this this series for sure. But he's not he's not going to be the you know he's not going to play thirty minutes a game. I can look up what Bruce Brown's played thus far, but he's not going to have like yeah. he's not like at I think a PJ Tucker or even Bobby Portis level of yeah. He's currently averaging. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'll pull up his postseason stats. He's averaging 6.8 points per game in the playoffs. He's only been playing 20 minutes per game, which is like two under his average for the season. So not sure. playing much, but, right. but yeah, it's, I agree. I, I just, I'm like, who's going to take him? And then talking about the other guard positions since we're there and we talked a little bit about Kyrie, so we don't have to cover the net side with the Bucks. I mean, I think starting Pat's fine. I actually don't think that's a big deal. Um, he only played 22 minutes in game four. I mean, I don't think people should make too big of a deal of that. I think it's going to be a combination of Pat, Bryn, and PJ, which would move Middleton to the two. And you just – I think you kind of just ride the hot hand. And the thing that worries yeah. me with Bryn is we saw in that first game they played – the Nets were looking for Bryn Forbes defensively, and they were hunting Bryn as as the Bucks did with Duncan Robinson and Harrow a little bit. And I worry that they will pick on Bryn, and that will hurt defensively. And yeah, maybe you can survive that in the second and third quarter, but I don't know if you can survive that in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and maybe with Bryn Forbes, it comes down to you know not getting. Um, excited about what he did in the first round. 
totally and just sort of sticking sticking to what you know what has got us to this point i guess yeah even though Bryn forbes did have a you know big say in getting us to this point in the playoffs yeah. but i mean yeah I mean, shot 40, 45 percent in in the season people are like stunned oh where did this Bryn forbes come back and it's like that's how you tell if somebody has watched the bucks or hasn't watched bucks this year in a lot of ways yeah yeah, I mean, Bucks. The Bucks bench has been great shooting. You know, between oh, yeah. Portis and Forbes, they've been tremendous all year. So I mean, shouldn't be surprised. You know, too surprising to anybody, but it is somehow. And um, yeah, I mean, just sort of keep your wits about you when it comes to Bryn Forbes, and just realize that he is a defensively challenged, you know, shot hunter. That if things are going good, they go really good, and if things are going bad, they go really bad. So you just need to keep it keep it you know 100 when it comes to Bryn Forbes and you know don't don't put too much pressure on him yeah I, I totally agree and I also think but, but I, I, I do agree I, I I agree with Pat Connaughton as your starter I think that's the first yeah. the first the first choice just that's what worked in game four um you know it's he probably fills that role you know besides PJ Tucker, as I just talked about, I mean, Pat's not, you know, he can shoot better than, mm-hmm. than a PJ Tucker. Right. But he's kind of that energy role that, that fifth starter, I mean, um, play harder in defense and, uh, you know, go after rebounds and I guess chase Joe Harris around or. Yep. Yeah, um, probably. I, 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 so I'll ask you a question. Do you trust Pat if he's in the game in the last five minutes or will you, will you want to tear your hair out in a close game? Uh, it's going to bother me. It's going to bother me. I can't lie. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I don't know. You know, they're going to, it just, he's, he's, he's done okay at times. It just, it really, you know, not everybody can be, a stud i get it right um and and i don't know what other answers because if i don't like dante divincenzo being on the court in clutch time i don't i don't really like that content but you you kind of have no choice i will say the difference between the two is i think pat doesn't make as many boneheaded mistakes as dante like dante tries too hard sometimes in the clutch moments and leads to some really bad errors there were a lot of big games this year where you're like Dante had a mistake that either cost the Bucks or it nearly cost the Bucks, and if he, he was just played within himself, he would have been fine. Pat plays within himself. Yep. He's just sometimes the – it's just it's not all there for him. Even though he's crazy athletic, it's just he, he comes up a little bit short. So, yeah. Well, we'll yeah, and he, he tends to find himself in the situation where – you have, you know, a top five player in the league and he's guarding them because I don't know yeah. if they're hunting the switch or whatever. And it's just Probably. like, you know, and then people are mad at him and the coach and it's like, well, somebody's got to be out there, but yeah, it's, it, it'll bother me for sure. And, and uh, before we move on, I, I, I do want to give my take on the whole DiVincenzo situation yeah. and just, I have to, because it's like, you know, again, to me, Okay, so yes, not good. Dante DiVincenzo out for the playoffs. Um, you know, planet, what is it? Not planet fish. That's a strained tendon in his ankle or some shit. I don't know. Whatever. He's got a foot injury or something, lower lower leg injury. Yeah. And to me, you know, I, I heard a little bit this 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 week about 
from like national types about, well, that's a huge loss for them. It's like, okay, yeah. I mean, but to me, it, it feels like a thing where the national types wanted, want to take Brooklyn. They, they've wanted to all along, but they didn't really have anything like tangible to, to point to, to be like, well, this is the difference. And now they have the Steven Chenzo injury to be like, well, that's going to be a huge loss for them. And, and it's, it's just kind of like, it's just, I don't know. It, 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 it would be like the Nets losing DeAndre Jordan where like, yeah, it's another, another big body. You'd you'd prefer to have him, you know, but his role and his, and his minutes can be, you know, filled admirably by probably somebody else. It's not, it's not, I mean, yes, the Bucks lose holiday, Middleton, Giannis, it's over. We're fucked, you know, yeah. completely. Um, Absolutely. Probably even Brooke Lopez too. We're fucked, but like, Dante DiVincenzo, nice player, nice kid, but he's not like some, you know, world beater. It's it's not like it's not a it's just it's not a not a huge loss. I mean I, I that's that's harsh to say. No, I agree. I agree I, with I, you. I, I'm going but, to I'm gonna I'm gonna regret that, but it's just like sure just, I have a but, hard time as you sit here being like we are screwed without Dante DiVincenzo. But I also think we should not use it as an excuse if the series doesn't go well for us to be like, well, if we had Dante, it's like yeah. Maybe it, it makes yeah. a difference in one game, but it's probably it's the sum of all parts, as you said. I think that's you put it nicely, even though you're a little mean to Dante, which is okay. We we can be mean yeah. to Dante. We we've been talking a lot, so I want to wrap up quickly. I, I think Middleton and Brooke Lopez are gonna have huge impacts in the series. Uh Lopez has been a revelation down the stretch. He outplayed Bam out of bio. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts yeah. about it. And I think it's a real factor for Brooklyn to be like, all right, not only do you have to deal with the Giannis guy who's going to be just aggressive in the paint and dominate our small ass lineup, but we also have Brooke Lopez who, how do you, how do you deal with that? And if it's Blake Griffin, that's bad. That's not a good matchup. And if it's Nick Claxton, I don't know. Nick Claxton is fine, but again, he's undersized compared to dealing with Lopez. So do you have to bring DeAndre Jordan's old ass off the court, off the bench, who didn't play at all really in that Boston series? And if that happens, that's a nightmare for Brooklyn too. So I, I think the more I talk, and this happens a lot when you and I podcast, the more I feel confident that the Bucs are going to win this series. I already thought the Bucs were going to win this series. But now that I'm talking it out, I'm like, yeah. How do we? How are people not thinking that the Bucks actually might have more offensive firepower than this Brooklyn team? Is it just because of names? And you look at it and you're like, it's it's kind of a it's, it's kind of there are a lot of mismatches. There are a lot of things that Brooklyn has to cover up and see if they'll be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just think that there's a a lot of history and that talent oh, yeah, totally. prevails in the NBA. So it's it, it's really hard to get to get people on our side, I suppose. Yeah, and that's that's sort of my point with like the DiVincenzo thing, where it's like, okay, now we have something we can actually look at instead of just saying like, oh, the Nets are better, and not right. really having. And well, if, it's like, are they better? I mean, I mean, and, we're gonna find out. But and if Joe Harris goes crazy in game one, like let's say Joe Harris has seven threes, it's gonna be immediately like, well. Jay Crowder uh, in that Miami series they lost. Uh, Fred Van Vliet in the Toronto series they lost. Like, it'll be brought yeah. up because Joe, Joe Harris is easily the number one candidate. I would say the other guy, he yeah. doesn't get on the court. But Timothy, uh, 
the way you cabaret always kills the Bucks. So TLC is a, is a sneaky one. Just get it. But kind of, yeah, because he does kill the Bucks. He's had some. Well, I mean, against I mean, it's it, it's a fair thing to bring up because it's like if things don't go well for for a team, I just I always have the fear in the back of my head that like, all right, who's the random motherfucker that's gonna that's that's been the the twelfth guy in the bench? Who's the Norm Powell in there? That's yeah, it pretty much. Like, you brought like, that, that story Powell last or, last week. Yeah, who's the Norm Powell? Yeah, yeah, it's just the guy that. You know, in a blowout game, or you know, not even a blowout game. Just who's the guy they throw in there? Like I saw the Sixers or the Wizards on uh, a Wednesday night. Here we're playing Garrison Matthews. It's like has that dude even played at all in the postseason? But you know, just uh, that's just thought to me. Like God, if he played against the Bucks, he would have hit six threes by now, yeah. and you know they would have found something. Next thing you know, he's starting and just is a is a superstar in that yeah. series. But that's just the, the negative side of me, but no, it's a fair thing. It's like, you know, you always got to kind of look down, the, look down the rotation just, just in case like things aren't Andrew going well Shamit. for a team. And, oh, well, he'll play and he's a good shooter too. I don't know how they got him. Tyler, Tyler <laughs> Johnson, um, Malibu's most wanted. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I'm just throwing names. I'm going through their depth, their depth chart. Alizé Johnson, great name. He's day to day. So I don't know if he'll be playing. Yeah. And is, Mike James, Mike James, yeah. Is, is uh Jeff Green going to be ready for the series, or is he going to need a couple more games? They don't think he's going to be ready know, for if, game one. If you ask, if you ask Iron Eagle, Jeff Green is going to be very, very important in stopping Giannis. I mean, he's been, you know, he's very fleet of foot, Charlie. That, very. That was you know, that was tough. Been, that it's a tough look by the bird. I love Iron Eagle, um, like a family member, but that's tough luck. Oh yeah, it's tough I mean, luck for that's, him. That, you're you're really grasping. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you are really, really grasping. But I I have a hard okay. time with the Iron Eagle these days because his son got an NFL fucking playoff game and he's like 25. I know Not it was even. on Nickelodeon. Yeah, I know it's on Nickelodeon. I think he works radio for the Clippers. It's fucking disgusting. Like yeah, I'm like, does. if anyone wanted to be a play-by-play guy, that's your sign. Like, and and seriously, follow your dreams. But in reality, just fucking quit. Just be a marketer. Like, do something else. Because that, that's yeah. disgusting. Um, but anyways. Um, well, that's, that's another hour podcast. For oh, sure. God. We, I mean, you and I could go <laughs> forever. We'd have to bring Murph in, though. Like, that, that would be a podcast where we would need Murph to come in um, and drop some takes. Because God knows he has wow. about, about the media industry. Um, but anyways. We'd all, have to, we'd all have to quit our jobs, though, first. That's, I mean... We've had a thought that we should just have a secret podcast and put it on Patreon just so everyone else can, you know, and 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 swear everybody to secrecy that nothing gets clipped. Um, probably muffle our voices because that, that that would be one of them for sure. Um, no doubt about it. Just taking shots. We'd have we'd have part one local, part two national, and just go off. Um, all right. So lastly, before we move to the Brewers, what's your prediction? I'm gonna say <clears throat> Bucks and six, I think, which is incredibly optimistic of me. No, but no, I agree. I think it's Bucks as, and six. I, I as do. Bart Winkler, as Bart Winkler said uh, on his show, I think on Wednesday, um, Bucks and six is a rally and cry, but we never actually win in six. But no. um, it's true. I, like to me, it's like I would say seven, but it's like you think like that game seven on the road. I don't know how you're winning that, but. I would just much prefer to 
I'll take six. Just more realistic, and winning it, winning that at home would be incredible. Yeah. Um, oh my God, it would be unbelievable. I will say this though about Game Seven. I'll offer another spicy take for you. Book on my spicy take since I started hot before we got into this topic. I'll end hot. There is no Game Seven road trip I rather I would rather play at than Brooklyn because they don't have really any fans. They don't have a fan base. Maybe the Clippers. Um, I mean, I, that's debatable, but but think about it. Philly game I seven. Think that's, be, that's a little. That stuff's a little overblown. Okay, but Philly. Okay, hold on. Philly game seven would be terrible. At Philadelphia yeah. would be unbelievable. Utah game seven would be fucking hell. Phoenix, oh, yeah. pretty good fan base, would be really difficult. Denver game seven. I actually, I don't know if the Bucks have a better record than Denver. I'd have to fact check that. But Denver, game seven, you have to deal with the altitude, and they have a decent fan base. So I'm just looking at the top lines and saying, oh, and Lakers will be, the Bucks will be at home, so that wouldn't count. But that, to me, is, is what I, how I would evaluate it. And I think, I just think the Bucks in against Brooklyn, I think there are going to be some Bucks fans there. They have a decent contingent. There's a large Greek population in New York. Who love Giannis, and I think they're gonna. There's gonna be a little bit of Buck support there. It won't surprise me if there is. So I'm I'm not really that scared of a game seven in Brooklyn. Would I want to win at home? Absolutely. I think they will, but I I do think game seven in Brooklyn is not as scary as some of the other potential game sevens if you played it out. That's all I'm yeah. saying. I get. I yeah, hear you. I mean, <clears throat> it's gonna be. It's just funny. You're, you're rattling those off, and it's like Lakers are probably going to lose in the first round. Yep. And the Bucks will get to the championship against Utah, and we'll get swept by Utah. That's just – I mean, we have no chance against Utah. I mean, we can't – there's just – we, I mean, I don't – I would feel no confidence at all. Let's just cross that bridge when we get there, buds. Let's just – I know. Let's just – let's – Utah needs to worry about the Clippers first and now how yeah, they keep Gobert on the court. So we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We'll see. But yes, it's potential. And congrats to, looks like Philly will be moving on, maybe Atlanta too, um, as the first games are playing out here. Well, let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. Probably wrap up the show. We went long on that. That was almost an entire podcast. We could have ended it right here, but we'll do, we'll do a little bit of Brewers. So the Brewers, um, they got blown out. Not blown out. They came back against. They kind of. Would you say yesterday was a blowout against the Tigers? Was that a blowout? Even though it was ten to seven, would you qualify that as a blowout? I guess it never really felt like they were going to win it, though, did it? I mean, no. Depends on your definition of a blowout. Like, you know, yeah, it never felt like they were going to win it. No, they're down seven to one, right? Like in the in the first two innings or three innings or something like that. I mean. Yeah, that's – I mean, they came back and, and made it interesting, but that's a blowout. Fuck it. Yeah. And so – but they have they have been playing well, um, and they won five straight before that game. They are seven and three right now and three games back of the Chicago Cubs, who are red hot. Cubs have won three straight. They swept the Padres. They had the best record in baseball for the month of May. We're now in June. Um, the Cardinals are one back of 
uh, of the Cubs. And if you go to fan graphs, it basically looks like it's going to be a fight for the finish. And with the NL West being as competitive as it is right now, the Giants not going away, it's going to be really hard to get wild card spots. And it could come down to division. So I asked the question, you know, what, who scares you more, the Cubs or the Cardinals, or do the Brewers themselves just, are they good enough to play with those teams and they may just beat themselves in situations because they just don't have enough talent? Well, yes, but also, I mean, <laughs> for the sake of conversation, I, the Cubs, I mean, they scare me, man, a little bit. Um, they almost have this, like, like they're getting really hot at their kind of not at the right time, but they're they're as the weather warms up, you know, the old cliche, they're starting to, you know, bring the bats out big time. They were very impressive in that series against San Diego, mm-hmm. but I feel like the Cubs could very easily have this, like, you know, I think they kind of know where that organization wants to go. And I think they kind of, they wanted, you know, they know what the organization wants to do and they might have this like kind of band of brothers mentality that oh that's kind super of scary. interesting so like it's almost like a last dance because they know that they're they want to yeah they want to blow it up and that this is the last chance for the cubs to do something special and yeah. so they're they're gonna kind of go all out i i never thought about that but the way you said it makes perfect sense yeah i mean if you're looking at just run differential which i don't think is the end all be all um some people look at it way more than others the Cubs are the, the answer because they're a plus 38 in run differential. Cardinals are plus one, and they just lost Jack Flaherty to an oblique strain. So that's a huge loss for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, and the Brewers are negative 15. So the Cubs would be the answer. Um, yeah, I know. Um, that, would, that also is the worst run differential of any above 500 team at this point in, in baseball that's, or in, uh, in that's the National that's a Stearns built team though. I mean, it's oh, just, yeah. they've always, they've always been like that where it's like, we're just going to eat by. Right. No, it's what the brewers do, man. It's what they do. They, they sort of just figure it out. And I, one of the topics I was thinking about with you was like, I think they always, they thought with the Adamas trade and we've, we talked about Adamas last week and he's continued to be awesome. I mean, the home run on Monday yeah. afternoon, but I, I think the reason they also did that trade, not only because they had their eyes on Adamas, but also because I think they know they can get a reliever or two pretty easily in by July. And I think it's just easy to trade for relievers. I think in a lot of ways, it's like the buyout market in the NBA. I know that's kind of a weird comparison, but I just feel like there are a ton of them available. And it's like, hey, the Angels have this awesome reliever who is, you know, or they're paying him, I don't know, two million a year. Can we have him for a single A prospect? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Whatever. We don't give a fuck. And then they get that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I, I agree. Like relievers are kind of fairly easy to acquire. I mean, they did it, what was it, twenty eighteen, where they got Soria. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They had they added for... a bunch. Yeah, and they who else did they add that year? They had Pomerantz in 2019. I forget who. I'll I'll go. Look, I can go explore that for you. Give, yeah. Give me. And also, I mean, at the same time, do, do you really? So I know Rasmussen and Fire Rising were having decent seasons, 
But would you really trust them, like, in, the, in no. a playoff game? No, Fire Eisen's closing for the Rays, which I thought was interesting. But um, Rasmussen's in double A right now for the Rays. So that's what they think of him. He's not even on their 40 man right now. So oh. that they, um, so the, they acquired a Xavier Zedano from the White Sox oh, yeah. on the waiver wire last year or in 2018. They also got Soria um, and it, Jacob Arms got options. So they got, for Cody Medeiros, former first round pick, and Wilbur Perez. Yeah. So yeah, they got they got a couple guys, but that's to the point, right? Where it's like they sort of they sort of were able to re- acquire guys. They acquired a Jake Thompson from the Phillies. I don't think he did anything, but they added. You know, they kept just adding guys. They kept just figuring out different guys to to make happen for that postseason run, and I think that's what they'll do again. And. I, I'm curious to see what this division will look like in a month. You know, we talked about the fact that the Brewers have a pretty easy schedule. Are Is this sustainable for the Cubs? Are they able to sort of withheld? They, they don't really have a pitching staff. It's kind of the sneaky thing about Chicago right now is you look at it and you're like, it's Zach Davies, Jake Arrieta, it's Albert Alizé. Hendricks hasn't really been that good this year. Like, is that really going to be sustainable for a full year? They're going to be a team that's probably going to try to go after a big pitcher come, come to the trade deadline. And the question is, will they? So your last dance point, are they going to actually pony up and try to get a big relief, a big pitcher come the, come the trade deadline? Scherzer's name is going to be mentioned. I don't, I don't know if he'll be available, but I guarantee you Scherzer's going to be brought up and that's going to start picking up a little, little bit of heat. But yeah, I mean, the Cubs, here's the Cubs schedule just for people who are wondering in the next month. They go to San Francisco. Then they go to back to San Diego where they just swept. I understand that. Then home to play the St. Louis Cardinals. Then a four-gamer at New York. Play Miami at home, which whatever. Then couple with Cleveland. And then going out to L.A. And then after the L.A. series, they go right to Milwaukee. That ain't easy, man. That is, that's brutal. That is not an easy schedule. So I'm, I, I do, do agree with that last dance point. And I think that gives the Cubs the answer, but I, I think that schedule that June's going to tell us a lot about who the Chicago Cubs team is. Yeah. I'm looking that's a pretty rough, a lot of road games. That's a pretty rough stretch. They do get that easier stretch with Miami and Cleveland before they go to LA for four, which will be, MLB oh, Network City. Oh yeah. And at Milwaukee for three. That's their June is 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 rough. Well, especially too, um, like, and I know this is kind of like there are t- certain teams that have more of a home field advantage in in the summer months. And with the COVID stuff falling off, like the Cubs are like a team in the summer where like their fans can just kind of change the game, right? Especially it's yeah. a it's Friday afternoon and all of a sudden they're putting together a rally and these crowd, this crowd just starts losing it. It's, it becomes a, a nightmare. I mean, we've seen it firsthand as Brewer fans throughout our illustrious career of the Cubs Brewers rivalry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough place to play for sure. I mean, they, they have one of the better home field advantages in, in all of baseball for sure. 
No um, question. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess the Cardinals, you know, I don't know. Cardinals are the Cardinals. They're just always going to be there. Right. And, yeah. And I mean, they don't really scare me at this moment, but um, they're just kind of solid. I mean, they're not. They are solid. But yeah, that, I mean, but that Flaherty injury is so big because he was pitching so well. And you look at the rest of that, that rotation, Wainwright, he pitches well at home, but he has awful road splits. He's been terrible on the road for the last couple of years. They're playing the Dodgers right now, and Carlos Martinez can't get out of the first inning. He's already given up six runs. So that's a problem. <laughs> um, John Gant's all right. He looks like Kaz, um, which throws me off every time I'm, I'm looking at him. Um, but, you know, he's just okay. He walks a lot of guys. Hewan Kim, Kim, I did my best to pronounce that right. Eh, just a guy, like, they're good. I think they're, you're right. They're solid, but there, there's no one in that, on that pitching staff. So I'm like, holy shit, we got to worry about this guy. Flaherty was kind of that dude. And now that he's hurt for at least obliques are usually four to six weeks. That's probably going to put him out till the all-star break. So that's, yep. that's going to be a lot to overcome for St. Louis. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously Arenado and Goldschmidt. Oh yeah. I, I was going to mention that. the offense is the offense is scary. I mean, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Tommy Edmond is just such a classic piece of shit Cardinals player, like the prototypical oh, yeah. Cardinals player. Tyler O'Neill is just has a shirt that's a little too small for him. Thinks oh, yeah. he's, he's thinks he's a muscle bound he guy. Thinks he's thinks he's Dan Ugla. Yeah, D- Daniel Norris also had a very short jersey on it, but Daniel Norris has like the beard. Like he looks like he's more like not necessarily like that hard old muscle type. Like Daniel Norris looks like he was trying out for like to be your well, sure guitar guitar player for Hodari or something. Well, no, he's definitely much more of a hippie. He he like lived in a van. One oh time. yeah, 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 yeah. Dan, when do you think the last time Daniel Norris showered? Do you think it's been this this like last four four weeks? Probably not, right? No. It, does he still live in a van? I don't know. But wow, that was, I mean, he was a big time prospect. I mean, he, he just talked about a guy who just never, never really panned out. It never, never really worked out for him. He was part of the David Price trade. Well, it's, it's sort of, you know, insensitive of me, but it's like, are we really shocked that a guy who lives in a fucking van is, you know, doesn't maybe have the killer instinct required to be, you know, a superstar ace. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely not. Um, I think, I think that is, that's very true. Um, And yeah, it's uh, Tigers. Tigers were interesting. There are a lot of guys who we, who I did not necessarily know um, and was happy to get one or two. Hopefully um, they don't stub stub their toe this weekend with the Diamondbacks. Crowds should be great though. I mean, the weather is going to be unbelievable this weekend and if you're really frisky on Saturday and I'm, I can't do this cause I, I have a uh, young, young kid's birthday party, but if you're really frisky, go to Brewers dot driving backs at three o'clock and then parlay that right to bucks. Nets. I don't know if you hang on. I don't know if you survive. It's going to be like 80. Oh, it's also going to be it's, 95 degrees, dude. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. You got to be careful. You, you do have to be careful. I've gotten, I've gotten alcohol poisoning from a, from a very opera game and then went out drinking. Well, like it was bad. It's just, but that was, 
but that I, weather that was like over a hundred like that was like i was in like a tank top like it was that bad i was trying to think what's more miserable lambeau field in january or miller park in the sun on like a 95 degree day because i've experienced both i mean the answer is lambeau field but it's just my point is it's it's brutal to be in the sun and i'm like a 90 plus degree day Listen, you just have to, you just have to be tactical. You just have to be tactical with that shit. Like you have to just get into. You have to know Miller Park, and if you don't know Miller Park, that's like, all right, this is gonna sound sexist, but that. <laughs> well, the peanut gallery time did that, but like, I'm gonna say it. All right, um. <laughs> did you hear that or no i heard the hay but i didn't uh, hear anything else oh never mind um that's like a classic like women the women buy the tickets and like oh yeah like double date like saturday afternoon like this will be great we'll get long island and they put you right in the fucking sun like they have no <laughs> idea like that's just a veteran thing and and maybe there are some guys who are like that too i'm sure there are like i i'm just saying I would never let it happen to me. You would never let it happen to yourself. We know the sunspots in Miller Park. It's left field. It's third base side. Everyone knows it, but there are a lot of people who don't know it. So if you didn't know that and you're a man, we're helping you out too. Don't get fucking tickets on the left, left side of the, the, the ballpark during, during the summer months, just stay in the shade. You might be a little colder. You might need to wear a little bit of a, like a bat, a long sleeve or whatever. She'll be all right. And also probably the perfect time to go in the hot when it's like, you don't have to wear your mask. It's not full capacity yet. So you can kind of spread out because also what's brutal in a hot day is having to be scrunched in with everybody, even in like nice seats. That sucks. Your balls are just sweating. Like it's just a, a fucking swamp by, by basically the third, third batter. So. Oh yeah. It's good. Um, that that about does it. I think when we're talking about balls and swamp, we're already easily over an hour. Probably probably time to end the podcast. It'll be all right. Yeah. Well, I'm sad I'm not going to be with you for game one. I enjoyed watching uh, game four with you at the Broad House. Shout out to their beer garden. Um, they did they did a good job. It was yeah, it worked out all right. People. Yeah, and I think I gotta say this weekend with no masks. I've said it before. It's going to be crazy. But I think it will also be crazy at the bars because I think you'll just have a lot of people standing around. It'll probably be a lot more obnoxious. So I'll report back on Sunday, on Monday's show. But we'll have a Friday show. Probably bring out the Brooklyn hate list. I think it'll be fun, fun little Friday topic. We'll have some fun with that. Be respectful, of course. But uh, we'll have a good one. And Mitch, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk next week when uh, the series allows us and we get a uh, we get a series schedule. Yeah, sounds right, good. Buddy. You take care of yourself. Tappers, have a good Thursday. Back tomorrow. See you. Peace. Bye.